0: Many people ask, what's my purpose? Well, odds are you're probably already living it. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Williams. What do you do when people ask that question? What do you do when people ask, what's my purpose? Well, you might tell them that they have a great family or good friends. But then they'll, they'll say, well, yeah, but what's my purpose? Then you might tell them about their volunteer activities or their jobs. and They'll shrug and you'll tell them about the good times and the vacation But obviously, they're not satisfied. What they mean by purpose with a capital P is exactly that. They want the big thing. They want the big breakthrough, the awesome experience, the mountaintop moment where they are finally, finally satisfied with their life. They can go off into the ether and just they've conquered the world. They've done it. They've made it. And I'm here to tell you that many people never get that big moment. They never get the moment when they change the world, where they find nirvana, and then they they float off and they've just done it all. They're satisfied. Instead, I think it's all about the little p's, the the purposes with a a lowercase p. And to illustrate this, I'm going to Tell a personal story, maybe this is relatable, maybe not. But uh, growing up, I could not wait to get out of college. I went through high school, I started college, and the moment I stepped onto the college campus, I was already over it. I was was just like, oh, just give me that degree, get me out of here. And then my life could begin. Once I got that college degree, my life could start. That was my big purpose, just, just getting started with some sort of job. Um, I always wanted to have a family. I wanted to get married. And I was thinking, you know, after I'm done with college, I'm going to go get married. And then my life can start. That's my big P is, is getting married. Um, And then my purpose could be after that, you know, whether it's getting another degree, retiring, getting a promotion, uh, then my life will be fulfilled because that's my big purpose. And I realized something. If that's how you view life, your life will never start. You'll never find that satisfaction because there's always something else to live for. The moment you get that job, well, there's retirement. The moment where you get married, well, there's children. Or maybe the marriage didn't, you know, it's not what you thought it would be. If you're living for that big moment, the big P when it all makes sense and you're completely satisfied, when your life can finally start, it never will. Why? Because there's always something better. There's always that uh, degree, there's always that better family, The, the grass is greener on the other side. If you're waiting for something, you'll always find something else. Then, when you're on your deathbed, you'll realize that you never actually lived. Maybe you lived an incredible life, but you didn't enjoy a single moment of it. You were never in the moment because you were always waiting for your big purpose, that fulfillment, that satisfaction. No, your purpose is filled with all the little lowercase purposes along the way. A life worth living is one where you lived every moment to the fullest instead of chasing the future. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Nietzsche. He's a philosopher, you know, a couple hundred years ago, uh, give or take, and he actually helped to teach me this. Um, Now, stay with me here. I'm going to talk a little philosophy to you, but I I believe you can stay with me. Don't go to sleep. He talked about something called the eternal recurrence, and I might be getting this wrong, but, but here's my interpretation of it. Live your life as if you have to live this same life over and over and over again endlessly. And so if you're going to live this one life over and over again, you want it to be the best possible life, right? You want it to be full of meaning and you want it to be incredible. You want it to explore and to expand and be the best you possible. Why? Because then you have to relive it. And you've got to live it over again. So you don't want to make terrible mistakes. You don't want to do a bunch of stupid stuff. You want to have a long, healthy life. Because, again, it's going to recur endlessly. That was called the eternal recurrence. Nietzsche was an atheist. And so this was his way of motivating people to live their best life. Because under atheism, you could go the opposite way. You could say, well, I only live once. And this is worthless. Everything is meaningless. Nothing matters. So I'm going to go jump off a cliff. And some people have done that. That was the thought of, uh, you know, someone like Albert Camus who said, I think it was Albert Camus, who said the only philosophical question there is, is why don't we go commit suicide? Now, that sounds like a really, really cheerful person, doesn't it? But Nietzsche, who was also an atheist, wanted to go in the opposite direction. He was like, no, live as if you have to live again endlessly. So live this life the best possible way. So I think that's a whole bunch of uh, nonsense, really, because if you're an atheist, yeah, you're you're not going to live this life again so it sounds like delusional to try to live it the best way possible because why does it matter uh, for the christian however there's not that pressure there's not the pressure of hopelessness like why am i here there's also not the pressure of having to live this life endlessly again and again and again for the christian the future is taken care of. You're free. We're going to live forever with Jesus. So, under this freedom, we don't have to worry or have anxiety or have dread because uh, God has forgiven us. We know what to do. We love God and we love other people and we look forward to eternity. What about the past? Well, God redeems the past. He's forgiven us. So, we don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to be like, oh man, I've waited wasted my life. Why? Because we live for eternity. So unlike Nietzsche, where there's pressure, or Albert Camus, where there's just hopelessness, like why are we even alive? For the Christian, our big purpose is full of all the little things along the way. Uh, You know, going back to my own life, uh, I've lived in a lot of different places. I've moved, I want to say, a dozen times and I'm 24. A dozen times in 24 years. That's every two years. I've worked at least, I want to say, eight or nine jobs. Um, I've had many different friend circles and it's been quite a life. And I've, I've enjoyed it greatly. But if I always waited for the next thing to happen to finally make my life great, uh, to look for the big purpose of my life, I would have wasted so much time. So I have learned, and I learned this lesson from Nietzsche, but in a good way because I've kind of turned it, uh Live your best life now in all the moments. Enjoy them. Don't worry about the future. God has that taken care of. Don't worry about the past because God has forgiven you. Purpose is a mosaic filled with all the good times along the way. You think about all the friends that you've made and now you don't keep in touch with. And you might be tempted like, wow, I spent a lot of time on those friends. It was worth it. The conversations that that shaped you and uh, all the things that you learned, the good and the bad, uh, it was all worth it. The, the times that maybe you wasted time. You were at a job and, and it didn't last very long and you were like, wow, I just wasted five years of my life. I don't think you wasted that time, it was meant for a reason. You do so much good that you're not even aware of and you're shaped by experiences and all the stories and all that, you're shaped by that and that's that helps to make you who you are. Imagine Moses, I'm going to go to the story of Moses for for an example. He was supposed to get to the promised land. He was supposed to take the, the Hebrews, the, the Israelites to Canaan, and that was going to be their promised land. Moses never got there. Ultimately, he could only look at the promised land and then he died. If his whole purpose was to get there and help lead the Hebrews into the land of Canaan, technically, Moses failed. Moses failed. His life wasn't worth living because if that was his big purpose, he didn't get there. However, if you read the story of Moses, he did so much good. He was a judge, a leader, a warrior. He he worshiped God. And yeah, he failed like we all do. He messed up. But his life was filled with all the little peas along the way, the little purposes, the little day-to-day things. He was uh, a high-ranking person in Egypt under the Pharaoh. Uh, he married and he, Had a family. Uh, His brother was Aaron, and Aaron was over the priests. Moses lived an incredible life. He led God's people to fulfill the promise God made to them, even if he never made it to the promised land. Ultimately, for the Christian, Our purpose on earth is to glorify God. That's our big P. But what that looks like varies drastically from one person to the next. You might do one thing all your life. Maybe you were 18 out of high school and you got a job that you worked till you were 60 and you retired. Great. That's incredible. You might be like me, bouncing from job to job and place to place. Uh, uh, Also, for more background, uh, I was a military kid, so that's part of why I moved around a lot. But also, that's okay, too, to, to go from this to that. In the end, we're all after the same thing. We want to stand before Jesus and hear, Well done my good and faithful servant. It was all the little peas all along. So that moves us to our devotional for today. Uh, It's uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. That's our passage for uh, this episode. Let me read. These are the words of Paul. As for you... For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. All right, so these are 10 verses, Ephesians 10. Uh, I'm sorry. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. What do we see here? One, I think we see that there is spiritual warfare going on. This is verse 2. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. As Christians, we have several things going against us. We have our flesh. We love to sin. It feels good short term and we have to fight it. There's the world that encourages us to give into our flesh and you do you, boo, and all that stuff. And then finally, you have spiritual battles. You have Satan and his demons and it's a very real reality and when you ignore that you're going to miss some things. When you look at politics, when you look at some family dynamics and when there's some darkness, if you don't know that there are spiritual battles going on it's going to be hard to diagnose everything in a healthy way and so it's something to be aware of. Also, uh, this is where other religions fail. so this is point two: We can do nothing apart from God giving us life. If you look at other religions, they say, "Do good, earn your salvation, make your way to heaven. Maybe Allah will be merciful to you in the last day, or if you're if you're good enough, if you let go of all ignorance and individuality, you'll reach nirvana that's Buddhism. you'll reach enlightenment. But as Christians, we know that apart from God, we can't do anything. God has to give us life. Uh, in fact, in Isaiah, our good works, when we try to do good things, we learn that it's nothing but filthy rags. Paul counts everything he did in life as nothing It's God alone that makes what we do worth anything, and he gives us spiritual life so that we can actually serve God and love him. Finally, I want to talk about the mystery of God. Sometimes we can't explain everything. That's okay. People ask me to perfectly explain the Trinity, explain the incarnation. How did Jesus, who's God, become also truly man? Explain how the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and explain this and explain that. It's okay to leave some things to God. My saying is it's above my pay grade. If someone says, hey, explain how God created the world, I'm like, I'll shrug. I'll say God can do it, I don't know how, and I'm okay with that. There's the mystery of God, and we see that here. Um, let's look at verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus what does that even mean? Well, we can talk about it, how one day we're going to rule with Christ. We're going to, we, we have those heavenly realms where we will dwell. And then verse seven, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. These are all beautiful words and I don't fully understand them. That's okay. I worship God, I leave the details to Him, and I look forward to the future when all these things will happen. So allow there to be some mystery. You know, God is a great God and we don't understand everything. That's okay. So that wraps up our devotional for now. Let me see if I'll actually say it correctly this time Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to pray and then we'll wrap it up. Father, You are so good to us. We can do nothing apart from you. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for giving us grace. You are a mysterious God. And I don't always understand you. Help me to be content. Help me to lean on you for wisdom and understanding. And thank you that in the future we have an inheritance of glory with your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's all for today. So uh, I guess I'll sign off. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.